Hello, Hello and welcome to the Alternative Twats podcast, <laughs> the so-called because we're alternative and and <laughs> I feel like we're already way more energetic than usual today. Oh my god, I'm so excited, Brian! It feels like it's been like a cold winter or something. We haven't. It's funny, isn't in ages. it? Like it's funny that it feels like today. It feels like we haven't recorded in ages when the last podcast we hadn't recorded in three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> and it felt like you know we'd recorded that day. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, we're right. So we promised a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is gonna come. We we tried. We <laughs> we recorded around about forty three minutes of a bonus episode, and. We had to abandon it. And that's the first time we've actually had to abandon any episode of this podcast. Yeah. Um, it, it, didn't it didn't go well. It didn't come out right. It, it didn't. didn't. It certainly didn't. Like, we were trying to create something funny and something like quite artistic and quite strange. And it became quite dark it very, It became very, very dark very quickly. Uh, and uh, and we, were, we were dealing with it. So basically what we were doing is we were reading out an erotic novel that was really, really niche. Yes. And um, we thought it'd be really, really funny. To do a dramatic reading. Yeah, we were doing because, a dramatic you know, reading. that is funny. And it, and, it, and it was funny, but then... It was uh, up until a point. And uh, so, the book. Should you choose to want to read it? I'm, you know, because we're, we're, we're not putting the episode out. Yeah. We're, we're not. So we're, we're really sorry. We're, we're, we're flat out not. If you ask us, oh, I really want to hear that, you're not going to, and I, I apologise for that. But, if you want to read the book, it's called Taken by the T-Rex. <laughs> and it is an erotic novel about a woman... That gets fucked by a T-Rex, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, in our... In mm. What we thought it was about, was about a consensual relationship <laughs> between a woman and a T-Rex. That is what we... Despite myself having read it a couple of times. So, it right... For some context, I got this book when I was in sixth form, which, which is four years is ago. F- at least four years ago, and I remember it differently <laughs> to how we uh, discovered it. I think it. that's what they call rose-tinted spectacles. Yeah, on one. and it was just always this funny book about a woman fucking a T-Rex, but in the hindsight, it's a, it's a bit rapey. Yeah, um, to be frank. And that's when it got a bit uncomfortable, and we were reading this, and we were like, uh, oh, oh, um, (laughs) maybe this isn't the best idea. So, that's why you haven't had a bonus episode yet. But but we tried. But we tried, and also, I'd recommend reading the book. See for yourself, you know. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear people's opinions of being like, you definitely dodged a bullet not reading that. Yeah. Because also one of the things that we were trying to do was be very, very careful with fair use. Yeah. That we weren't just plagiarising and copying, like <laughs> reading out this woman's book that she yeah. worked really, really hard on. That was the thing as well. We were, we were so like, oh God, this is incredibly like non-consensual and not okay. And then at the end we were like, this was written by a woman. Mm. I don't know whether that changes things or not. And I, I don't think it does. I don't know. I actually, yeah, you're completely correct. I don't think it does, but... Uh, it was very. It was just. It was. Conf- it was a conflicting yeah. thing to to realize. We, we, at the we end, never want to compromise ourselves in that way. I very think. much so. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, we we always try to stay incredibly mindful of what we say, um, and that is a. That is all oh, we have to say on that matter. Yes. So <laughs> we spent about 
four minutes of the opening part of this podcast <laughs> just on that book, talking we, about what we're not going to talk about. We just wanted to clear that up. Um, and we are going to be recording a bonus, a completely different bonus episode. Which I'm more excited about this. That is actually about, quite actually. an exciting prospect. Uh, uh, I'm very excited. So actually, I think we can probably say what we're going to do with it. Yeah, go for it. So we're going to... Just before you do that, I'm going to crack open a bottle of Red Willow Perceptionless. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah? That's not a fucking bottle. (laughs) That is a can. It is a can. (laughs) (laughs) Please continue. It is a can of Red Willow Perceptionless New England IPA. And you know how we like to read out the little descriptions? Oh, can I I have a read? Can I do it? (laughs) You you can do it in your most dramatic voice. Undeniably juicy. (laughs) (laughs) That's all it says. (laughs) That's all it says. There's no... There's no uh, sonnets or anything in this one. It's just undeniably <laughs> juicy. And we will see how juicy how that is. How undeniably it I, is. You know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to deny it. Oh, <laughs> what, shit. However it is, I'm going to deny it. <laughs> so, pray silence for the crack. Can we, can we integrate that as a phrase? Pray silence for the crack. <laughs> I really enjoyed pray silence for the crack. Uh, oh, yeah, listen to that. That good shit. Um, I, yeah, I quite enjoyed that an awful lot. Oh, it, it smells incredibly juicy, and I'm trying to deny it as I say it. Oh, that smells juicy <laughs> AF. So, we were talking last week, of course, about the meaning of juicy mm. when it comes to beers. And this smells like the definition of a juicy beer. Yep. So, would you like to refresh everyone's memory? So, the the juiciness is to do with the cloudiness of the beer... Um, and so that's leaving a lot of the sugar in, which makes it taste quite sweet. Um, because a lot of um, beers, like especially your lagers and things like that, they're filtered so that they're not cloudy. So the reason why quite a lot of people would drink stouts, and why quite often stouts can give you a bad tummy, is because they toast the hops, I think? Maybe they toast the hops? Mm-hmm. They toast some of it um, to make it black, so that you can't see how clear it is, because it would be really really dark because they made it with low quality stuff now now some people like i'm not saying that guinness is bad or whatever but um so like they've started to make stouts that are nice but originally the idea behind that was to make it so that you couldn't see how horrible the beer you were drinking was (laughs) which is why you have things like porters which are very very low alcohol um beers so if you're a night porter in a building trying to stay awake you don't fall asleep. Interesting. Shout out to my granddad. He was a night porter. Oh, oh that's lovely. Hmm. Um, however. P.S. Let's not be racist. I had a porter that was over 5% recently. Yeah. So I, mean, it, I mean, it's been polluted <laughs> as a meaning, hasn't it? <laughs> what a porter these days. Anyway, should we So clink? I'm going to... Let's clink. And let's take it on the nose. That's juicy. It's juicy. <laughs> so juicy. I, I really want to deny it. It's undeniably juicy, it. Ben. <laughs> it is so juicy. There is no denying it, I don't think. Hang on, let's have a taste. I'll tell you what. <laughs> a million pounds if you can guess what Brian's about to say. <laughs> it smelled a lot more juicy than it tasted. Oh. That is what I'm going to... That's so... You might not have guessed that. Yeah, you, you, we only have to pay out a few million. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think? I think, I think it is very juicy, 
but often juicy beers they come they're very shallow so you you taste them on your tongue and then they go mm. whereas these this is quite full and in fact there's a tartness to it like eating a granny smith i would agree with that entirely uh, the granny smith thing is incredibly poignant <laughs> but that Poin- is i like the word poignant like it's a second world war poem <laughs> <laughs> My name is Thomas Hardy. Uh, that's, World, that's World War One. I'm not even. I'm not even getting the right war. Um, yes, no, that is. Um, yes, that you explained it very well. I think. Mm. C- can you remember what I interrupted you to talk about? Oh, oh the bonus episode. The bonus episode. The bon- Oh yes, 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 yes. I'm glad that you reminded me because I had totally forgotten already. Um, so the bonus episode we are going to be recording, um, and it will be within the month. Is what I can say, but I we just we we've got to figure out our schedules first. See you in a month when we haven't done the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to do a live commentary on Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which is billed as one of the worst films ever made. It is quite famously the worst film ever made. Um, I would argue that actually it probably isn't the worst film ever made. I mean, I've seen those Bollywood like remakes of James Bond. Yeah. Where... <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, that's the level that we're talking for this film. The Room is incredible. See, I have seen it. I own the DVD. Uh, but Ben has yet to see it. So we're going to do it as Ben's first watch. Mm. Um, just for some a slight amount of pre-context. Within the first 20 minutes of that film, there are like five sex scenes. With, like, no context. <laughs> Do they ever get explained? No, not really. <laughs> you sort of... You kind of understand the relationship between the characters later on in the film. But it just kind of happens, and you're like, this is happening. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's it. Um, so we're going to do that, and we're going to do it as, like, a watch-along thing. Yeah. So we're going to say we're pressing play right now kind of thing. And so you can listen along with the film if you want to. Um, and oh, do you think we should do this? We could include like a a torrent link if you download it. <laughs> or you could find your own torrent or link. Or find your own torrent link. Or, <laughs> I don't, don't, not entirely sure that I, including a torrent link is a good idea. I, I would never ever message you a torrent link if you asked for one. <laughs> that is what I'm going to say right <laughs> now. If you messaged Ben Tip Lady on Facebook, I would never ever send you one. So I don't even know why you would ask me. Ever. It's. <laughs> Interesting. Thanks for that, Ben. Um, but yeah, so that is what our plan is. Um, if you think that's a fucking terrible idea, let us know. And come up with a better one. And Fuck give you. us a better idea, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're recording this on the Friday evening. Um, this is Friday the 9th of March today. Uh, this will go out on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, as per our usual schedule. But... I uh, I'm quite drunk already. So Brian has been at the pub since lunchtime. I have, and that's okay. Being in the pub for lunch is fine. I had lunch. Mm-hmm. I just stayed there all afternoon, and that's you know, it is what it is. But this podcast is quite drinking based anyway. It is, so yeah. So if if it goes a bit off the rails today, you know what? That's I. That's that's why I wanted to mention. Courtesy of if Brian's I bosses. if I seem more elevated than usual, which I feel already feel like I probably do. You, like you start off pretty elevated as a large man. <laughs> you are often quite elevated. But yeah, I felt like I was already kind of a bit more buzzed than mm. usual. And I just wanted to make that. I I, I wanted to give reasons. Um, to own up for your actions. Yes. 
But it's been a good day. Mm. Um, and I'm enjoy- I'm very, very excited to podcast. Um, this podcast is one of the greatest things in my life. Also, the next episode of this podcast is going to be our 10th episode. I know! Our 10th episode spectacular. So... Like, we're already better than most podcasts. I think by the 10th episode, we will be the best podcast. <laughs> the best podcast. It's just undeniable. <laughs> there's, no, there's no getting better than that, is there? Um, oh, fuck it. So, you know how... Um, oh, you, do you just pour some beer on yourself? Yeah, but uh, the most important thing is, I didn't spit it on my bed. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so we're all good. <laughs> um, yeah, so, right. We're drinking beer, so We're I feel like this is. Beer. I've got a very, I've got a thing that I want to talk about yeah, to do it. with beer. So, and I'm I'm pretty sure you were aware of this in, in the week. Uh, I think it was Thursday or Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday that this came out. The uh, Brewdog Pink IPA. Oh yeah, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, I love how we're like, we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about politics. This incredibly political thing. Gender politics, here we come. Um, so, right, so on. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I think it was Wednesday, yeah. Brew Brewdog, the uh, craft beer company, mm. released a new beer uh, called Pink IPA Beer for Girls. And they... <laughs> it's it's very... um. So it, the thing behind it is it was 20% more expensive... For men than it was for women. Is, is that? Am I, I getting that right? I don't necessarily think that is the case, but um, <clears throat> that right. So in their in their first statement, right. So on the bottle it says Brewdog Pink IPA, beer for girls. Right, mm. and it's got pink label, which is very obviously a piss take of the Yorkie. It's not for girls. I f- I feel like it's reasonably obvious. That is uh, a take on it. I would say. Okay. Um, but it says ground. on. But then, in, so they tweeted it, right? And they tweeted a picture, and it says, "This is not beer for girls. This is beer for equality." Pink IPA has landed, and then they have a link to the article. Okay, and then the next thing they tweeted because in the uh, let's see how how long it took before the two tweets. So that was nine oh eight in the morning. They tweeted that. I hope you're writing this down, everybody. By ten. 28, so an hour and 20 minutes later, they then tweeted, We've created a beer for girls, and it's pink. Because women only like pink and glitter, right? Hashtag sarcasm. <laughs> Let's show that enough is enough with stereotypes. And I, and you know, like, personally, I, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. And I, and then the message they were trying to get across was was a good one, I think. But And this is what everyone has generally been saying that I've seen, like, and the seeing... Some what well, well, what some women have been saying, the the women's reactions so far that I've seen have been quite mixed, and mixed usually means bad, but mixed quite literally, like mm. quite literally mean mixed, um, because it's it literally says beer for girls, but what Brewdog was saying in the article, um, I might read this out in full. Would you yeah. think that's a good idea? I I think that's okay. Um, I might make some interjections. Yeah, that would be good actually. That would be a nice. Nice little touch. <laughs> so, right, so Pink IPA. At Brewdog, we have always believed that beer is for everyone and equality is a fundamental right. So today we are launching a clarion call to end the discrimination of gender pay equality. I think it's pronounced Claren. 
Shit. All right, sorry. <laughs> uh, in the UK, men earn on average 20% more than women, and that's not okay. So ahead of International Women's Day this Thursday, we are launching Pink IPA, a beer for women, a beer for equality. So I suppose it was Wednesday because they said yeah. International Women's Day on Thursday. Satirically dubbed beer for girls, Pink IPA is Brewdog's Claren call. There we go. <laughs> to close the gender pay gap in the UK and around the world and to expose sexist marketing to women, particularly within the beer industry. This is our overt parody on the failed tone-deaf campaigns that some, brand, <laughs> some brands have attempted in order to attract women. Um, for the next four weeks, we are offering Pink IPA. Inside the bottle, it is the exact same beer as Punk IPA, but on the outside, it looks different. This is a ref reflection of the situation around the world relating to gender imbalance. Pink IPA is our effort to raise awareness of the current unwelcome status quo. At Brewdog... So, I, like, I just want to interject to say, like, I disagree with none of the stuff that's been said so far. Okay, yeah. Um, at Brewdog, we are committed to a workplace free from inequality of any sort. To reference the gender pay gap, 20% of the proceeds from Punk IPA and Pink IPA sold over the next four weeks will be donated to charities that fight inequality and support women. In the UK, we're supporting the Women's Engineering Society. In America, the pay gap is 19% and the charity received, receiving that portion of proceeds will be 9 to 5. Read more about our charity partners and find the gender pay gap in your country here. And it's hyperlinked. Mm -hmm. What's more, uh, people who identify as female will be able to pick up pink IPA in any Brewdog bar for 20% less. Exactly. Uh, that's what I said. I, I really enjoy, I really like that sentence. It's not, that's not women, that's people who identify as female. That's, yeah. I think that's incredibly important. Anyway, um, the beer will launch in our bars this Thursday, 8th of March, to coincide with International Women's Day. The gender pay gap is one issue to which we are taking aim with pink IPA. But we have a second problem that also warrants action. It beggars, it beggars belief that in 2018 we are still seeing some breweries rely on sex, sexist marketing to sell their beers. Like ladies in <clears> bikinis <throat> drinking beers and things like that. Or the Foster's ad. Yeah. I think, well, I, that might be an old ad. I. Mm, that is an incredibly interesting point. Mm. The, you're talking about the, like the Australian guys. Yeah. That is a. We will come back to that. Okay. Remind uh, me yeah. about that because that's a, that's an interesting talking point. Lazily targeting the female market with subpar products designed by expensive research are inherently patronising. Depicting women in wholly unacceptable ways on labels is something we do not condone, and creating concepts that undermine women's ability to enjoy beer, any beer, is both short-sighted and restricts progression. Pink IPA is our contribution to the ongoing debate around the representation of gender diversity within the beer industry. We want to change the image of beer forever for the better. I mean, Pink. It's not... Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. No, go on. It's not. It's not a short statement, is it? It's <laughs> not. I, I thought, thought this would be. Oh, it's. We are nearly okay. again though. Pink punk. It's all the same. Drink whatever makes you happy. And then it's saying you can pick up the pink IPA, or whatever. All right. So I just want to go back. I love the twenty percent cheaper if you identify as female. Yeah, me too. Certainly. Um. Uh, and it's it's just it's so shocking. It's so jarring. Um, that like because that hits an individual. If if you walk up to the bar and you say, "Can I buy this pint?" and then a girl walks up to the bar and says, "Can I buy this pint?" and then you hear the two people saying, mm. like, "Oh, that's this much. That's this much." That would you'd be like, "That's unfair. Mm. That's unfair." Which is the point? <laughs> yes, quite. Um. And so, 
the reactions to this have not been fantastic. So, yeah, I haven't seen any reviews on this from women, which possibly reflects my um, the people that I follow on Twitter. Quite possibly, because, I mean, the thing, the reason I heard about it... Oh, shit. The reason I heard about it was from a woman I follow on Twitter. Okay. Um, so, for me, the only people... For fuck, right. <laughs> he just poured some beer on his bed. I spilled it on my fucking bed. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Right, sorry, continue. So, so the only thing that I heard negative about this campaign was from men telling women that it was bad for them. Yeah, so that's what, yeah, like initially, no, okay, sorry, it wasn't a woman I first heard this from. It was uh, Raul Reynolds from Enter Shikari. Oh. Um, and he was, ba- he basically, he subtweeted it and he was kind of like, it's a great idea, but the delivery has not been done well. I find no issue with the delivery. I find no issue with the delivery when you read the article. Mm. However, the initial... I can see the the, the thing... So, this tweet that says, this is not beer for girls, this is beer for equality, Pink IPA has landed. Mm. One of the most tweeted... One of the most, like, liked... Most interacted with tweets about it that I saw... Um... Is hang on, let me find it. I think it's here. Yep, it's, uh, at I'm Teddy Bless <laughs> on Twitter. Who is a woman? Teddy Bless. Uh, said like so. It's that tweet, and she quoted it and said, "It says beer for girls on the label in the picture you attached." Because <laughs> they're like, it's not beer for girls. Yeah. So that's the like the thing is with the bottle. It's uh, you know it, it, it's supposed to be satirical, and realistically satirizing something is a great way to raise awareness for a certain thing mm. i think but i can see how some people feel they may have missed the mark with that i see that's this is the thing i personally feel like they maybe haven't missed the mark with that but I am also a man, a straight white man. Yes, and I and I feel and you know I certainly have a straight. position of we. I think we're quite aware of our position of privilege mm. in that sense. We are two straight straight white men who have a beer podcast. <laughs> yeah. So it's easy for us to say that there's nothing wrong with this, mm. but at the end of the day, we're not women, mm. um, and, and I think honestly, if there was. Who, whose opinion matters most in this situation? Mm. It's not ours. It's women's. It's women's opinions. Yeah. Um. So, it yeah it, it, it so the, the 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 response tweet that she followed up with that said I'm so tired of brands doing lazy stunts in the name of equality and then when it falls flat trotting out the old oh no we were doing an irony we're good. I feel like that is that is a tad unfair because mm. it's quite obvious from the off. That it's satirical. Mm. Um, I mean, they literally say it. Yeah, it, in, not, the, in that in it's that not opening statement. like they statement. produced a beer for girls and then said, "Oh," and then everyone says this is shit, and then they say, "Oh, by the way, it's a joke." They produce a beer for girls as a joke. Yeah, and then, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's because someone someone replied saying, "Yeah, you've completely misread this," and she replies, "No." Um, there's a lot of response. There's a lot of argument in the responses, essentially. So, I, what I'm trying to think is, what if we changed it round to a different issue that 
Good um, take. Good. Okay, interesting. Go, go, yeah, go on. So, I'm trying, <clears throat> trying to think of another issue where we don't have a personal stake in it, but there is a lot of emotions flying around. So, if there was, so, like, a beer that made allusions to slavery and they donated the proceeds to African-American charities. It's that, slightly different. That, is, that, that is, is taking it so a step further, though. I, so I think that is true. And so the difference between the straw man argument that I've created <laughs> and the real uh, situation is that there has not been a systemic advertising campaign to target African... Uh, sort of pe- people of colour, black people... Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not satirising that image. So actually, that is a very bad example. That is. And I think... It's because as well, because it just says beer for girls. I think, you know, if it were a case where it... You know, if it was a if it was a black label on the beer and mm. said beer for black people, then it's... Uh, that, is that quite obviously satire? And I think... I think that it, that it probably is quite obviously satire, but it would be quite unacceptable. Mm, yeah, I, I feel less comfortable. Far check, less comfortable. Check, I felt I, I felt comfortable. I felt uncomfortable making that as an example. Yeah, um, me, me too. I felt uncomfortable about my example, but I I agree that actually once we change it from gender, it feels very uncomfortable. But <laughs> is that because? Uh, is it because there are? Is it because the issues are m- more sensitive? Mm. Um, because as well, uh, I you know, for the sake of um, putting more viewpoints across, mm. I saw a thing. So so it was the Oscars this week, um, on last Sunday, and well, I've still got a bit of this beer left. I'm sorry, <laughs> I've been talking too much. Um, give me a minute. So at the Oscars, there was certain things. Such as, oh yeah, every woman in in the room stand up. That thing. Uh, yeah, no, with Frances Frances McDormand. You're yeah. talking about her acceptance speech. She was yeah. like, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I know that is no not celebrity's what I was, name. That wasn't what I was talking oh, okay, about. Okay, carry on. But yeah, good point. Anyway, um, so for instance, at the award ceremonies this year, not just the Oscars, but the like the award ceremonies generally, like Natalie Portman, for example, said, I think it was Natalie Portman said something along the lines of, and the all male best director nominees are. And uh, and Emma Stone, I think, who was announcing Best Director at the Oscars, mm. and said, uh, these four men and Greta Gerwig. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, and uh, it's these, like, little sort of... Nods. Little nods at, you know, the lack of, you know, female inclusion or whatever. But I saw a tweet that says... Uh, that said, uh, white feminists... Say things like this and think that they uh, they're, they're saving women, mm. and it's like, and I was like, well, damn, that's a perspective. I, mm. you know, you, uh, it's there's so many perspectives. There are so many, perspectives. and I and really you... enjoy, um, is enjoy the right word? I'm very interested to hear all of the perspectives. It's, like, it's a, it's a fun in, well, it, it is a. Almost like an intellectual workout doing it and just being like, you know what? Never thought about that. Mm. I am entirely blind to that point of view. And now that you've told me about it, 
my worldview has changed. Yeah, well, like one of my favorite things is people challenging my views and beliefs. Mm. Like it's a weird thing. Like whenever I say it, a lot of people kind of go like, "What? Like are you taking the piss, or whatever?" Because mm. it it sounds like I'm being sarcastic when I'm like, I love people telling me I'm wrong mm. and challenging all of my views and beliefs on a certain thing. Because they can challenge them and I can disagree and f feel the same. But if mm. they challenge them and I'm like, shit, you're right, then that has probably changed my views on things for the better. Mm. And I feel like that is incredibly, that is such a great experience to have. Yeah, and, and I think that it's part of being a better human, of, of people like, people say, listen, you don't understand what, what it's like, my human experience is like. And you say, no, I, I, I understand you perfectly. I understand you perfectly. And then they challenge you. And you're like, actually, there is a breadth of ex human experience that I've never experienced before. And I think that good art does that as well. That, yeah. is, that is part of the point of good art. Speaking of good art in this scenario, I have another point to make about the Brewdog thing that I will come back to in a minute. But um, the, um, You are nursing that beer. I'm, nursing, I'm not nursing it. I'm just talking too much. For a pod, what are we, a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia yeah. called, I think it's called, The Gang Turns Black. Mm. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, come on. You just poured so much of it on your bed. Oh, for f <laughs> This is not fun. Oh, you got a tissue? You got I, tissue I've got there? a tissue, yeah. I've got some tissue in here. Oh, God. I just caught, I just kind of dropped it there. You did. It, it wasn't even like a spillage. It was just a pouring it all on your bed. Right, it'll be all right. Anyway, sorry. So this episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's called The Gang Turns Black. I'm going to enjoy <laughs> editing that bit out. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm with that staying in. <laughs> um, and it, it's an episode where they wake up. Because I was telling you about Old Black Man the other day, wasn't I? In yeah. The, yeah, in the last episode, I think. And, um... They wake up in the morning and it's kind of they kind of got a quantum leap situation going on, and they look in the mirror and they're 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 all black people, and they're like what the well like what the fuck is going on? Mm. Because to them they look white, mm. but when they look in the mirror they realize they're now black, and genuinely that is a really interesting way of seeing the difference between is it it's a very it's a weirdly powerful episode because it's com it's a musical episode for starters. Mm. And they're singing, like, what are the rules? What are the rules about, like, them changing to black people and, mm. like, being black? And, um... But at the same time, it raises an awful lot of things because there's a bit of this... Like, for instance, at the start, they're talking about, like, black rights, essentially. Mm. And Dennis is like... And they're like, oh, but they got the black... They got the Black Lives Matter thing... And Dennis is like, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I got that. But I think it's also important to remember that, you know, all lives matter. <laughs> and it's like, uh... yeah, right? And then, and then they all become then they all become black people. And it's like, they have this very um, awakening they become woke. day of, of realizing what life is like as a black person in America. And it's like a whole, a whole thing. And it, it's very, I think it's a very interesting episode to watch because it's, you know, it's it's quite farcical and it is pure comedy and really funny comedy and it's musical comedy at the same time <laughs> but it is actually quite poignant and on the nose I think especially with you know Dennis Dennis's all all lives matter quote uh, mm. comment at the start 
Um, but you know, you were saying about like you know if you can find art that uh, demonstrates that. Yeah. Whatever. Um, my next right. So my point with the brew dog thing. Um, I was talking to my good friend Hannah, um, and she was saying she reminded me to talk like you know she was saying uh, you know the brew dog thing is the thing to talk about like a beer talk a beer a beer talking point quite mm. specifically. And I was like, yeah. I like that yeah. we it's like YouTube drama. And we've got beer drama now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, thank you for letting me know because I wanted to talk about that. And, mm. you know, perhaps I might have forgotten. But she said to me just now, also Brewdog admitted to having a 2.8% gendered pay gap despite their stupid pink beer. Okay. Um, now, 2.8%. Wait, 2.8%? Okay, I, I heard that as 2.8 times, and I was like, that no, is disgusting. No, 2.8%. Yeah. Now, that is quite minimal, but still not the point. However, hang on, right, so she sent me a screenshot of... Uh, yeah, of I don't know how... how like Because if there's 10 people in the company or whatever, I know 2.8% isn't... That, possible, that's but... the thing. Let's right. Let's yeah. Let's say let's say there's ten percent, ten ten people in the company. Mm. Two of them are women, um, and for some reason, those two women are the two lowest positioned people in the company. Mm. Then their pay gap exists for a reason that has nothing to do with gender. However, I mean, them. You know, you could argue that them being the lowest yeah, positioned I, people I'm, in the company I'm is a whole other thing. With but this level of argument. But do, do you want to? Do you know what I mean? Like I, it. With a 2.8%, that's very small. Yeah, it does seem like a small margin. But then, like, I, if if you go to any other beer company, is that comparable? I don't know. Are they doing really, really well? Because everyone, every other beer company has that's a That's an extremely 30%. good point, yeah. Um, is it comparable? Um, okay, let me read the, let me read is, the um, snippet of so article that she I sent. think this is a point where it's like, it's often quite difficult to talk about something that you don't know about, and maybe you should stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hang on. I'm going to read with, this with the two point eight percent thing. I mean. Yeah. I mean, we're just we're just like trying to we're just think about how tennis. it could be. Yeah, yeah. It's not. We're not saying that that's how anything is. So it's. Mm. So the, the 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 article says a Brewdog spokeswoman, spokeswoman specifically. Yeah. I mean, they had it had to be a woman, didn't it? Said. We've declared a median pay gap of 2.8% and we fully intend to release our full report in line with government requirements. We're aware a pay gap of any size is still an issue and as we are already seeing higher rates of internal promotion for women, we're confident we are already making strides to close that gap. We want to be open to anyone of any gender identity to become part of our team and wish to provide an equal workplace for everybody. Ellen-based Brewdog is one of hundreds of UK companies with 250 employees or more which are legally obligated to reveal their pay gaps by April 5th. So any so so any company with 250 employees or more are legally obligated to reveal their pay gaps by April mm. 5th this year, which is and interesting. I, I do see, I see a lot of, um, it's become a standard thing within the charity slash uh, like social impact sector mm -hmm. is they say we have this percentage of women on our boards, we have this percentage of ethnic minorities. Um, and so, <laughs> as we get really with, deep into... With all this beer talk. <laughs> re ...reading some financial reports, um, we are here with the Roosters Roots Rock Reggae Pineapple and Grapefruit 
IPA, 6.4%. Whoa, right, hang on. I'm going to stop you right there. I want to read that out myself. Yeah, go for it. Because that is that was that was a that was an earful of good words. Okay, and it probably needs to be said in your like low radio voice. <laughs> no, I just wanted to I just want to say it. Okay, like it sounded so beautiful. Roosters Roots Rock Reggae Pineapple and Grapefruit IPA, six point four percent. It all rhymes, doesn't it? It does. Uh, Roots Rock Reggae is an India pale ale that packs a fruity punch, having been brewed with the addiction. A fresh pineapple. Uh, sorry, it's the not. Addition. I did not read that correctly. <laughs> With the addition of fresh pineapple and grapefruit, in brackets, zest and juice. <laughs> we we're gonna have a lot of juice tonight. Food pair. Do you want to hear the food pairing suggestion? Food pairing suggestion. Okay, so based on its name, Roots Rock Reggae. Ooh. I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna give you three guesses. No, I'm gonna give you two guesses. You're not getting three. Okay. The food pairing suggestion. It's got to be like some sort of Caribbean food then, hasn't it? I would say that's correct. Like, is it like a jerk chicken? Or it is exactly, it's jerk chicken on the nose. <laughs> uh, it says food pairing suggestion, jerk chicken. Yeah. I'm so glad that was right, because if it wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> could, yeah, that could have come across then. But you know what, do you want to know where it was brewed? Where was it brewed? Luton. North Yorkshire. North Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I spilt beer on my bed. You did. For fuck's sake. And pray silence for the crack. <laughs> oh my god. Oh Christ. Right, so you just oh no, it's going oh it's on my headphones, Ben. <laughs> so so for the audio listeners, uh, which it is hundred percent Which is all of our listeners. Um I opened it and it sprayed everywhere. Like a skunk being hit by a, by a rolling machine. We gotta stop doing this in my bedroom. We gotta stop doing it in your bedroom. We need to, if anyone wants to lend us a studio, so we can stop spilling beer in my bed and spill it on your studio instead. <laughs> I think we need to do it with like a um, like a twister mat underneath us or some sort of <laughs> waterproof we'll mat. Just, we'll just put a plastic sheet down. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> your mum says like, "Oh, is Ben coming round? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go get the plastic. <laughs> I'll sheet. get the tarpaulin." <laughs> um. So, yeah, so that's what's going on with the Brewdog thing at the moment. Um, the two point, I think it's interesting. We are Forty minutes in, and we've just talked about Brewdog. I know, and uh, and the room. Um, no, well, no, I think it's an interesting point um, that they they acknowledge their pay gap and they're mm. working towards closing. I it. mean, they are legally obligated to do it. Let's not that that's a that's freebie true. there. Well, the my my point being, they've oh that it, raises a whole bunch of other things is this is this is this charity beer purely because they know they're having to release oh, their no. pay gap but then not every brand is going to do that you now you can't say that every brand but because every brand is going to do that that the ones that do are you know great for doing it because at the end of the day they still have to reveal their pay gap and that could be potentially damaging so this is get- however oh, okay. sorry yeah no, sorry you, you sorry parent. however 2.8% for a pay gap mm. in comparison to a, what a lot of other companies are going to be revealing. I can imagine there are a lot of companies in finance is, and banking. It's going to be minute. Where it is massive. Yeah. Um, so actually, maybe they're not all that morally compromised with with the basis behind doing it. So uh, what I want to say is, so let, let's go to a whole different world mm-hmm. and say... The reason why Brewdog did this pink 
IPA. Mm-hmm. And in this world, so it wasn't called pink IPA. It was just called uh, beer in aid of women. Mm-hmm. And uh, the profits from it go to uh, women's charities. Mm-hmm. So they knew that they had to publish their gender pay gap. Mm-hmm. And for no reason other than they knew they had to do it and it is a PR exercise solely, mm-hmm. is it a good or a bad thing? Does the intention behind the action, even if they end up donating millions of pounds to women's charities, which they probably donated less than that, let's be honest. Um, so do you, do you think that the intention behind the action changes how the effect of the action is seen? Or... Yeah, certainly. So, so, you... you're, so you're saying that in this, in this, you know, alternative, well perhaps alternative world <laughs> that the reason they're releasing this beer is because they have to release their pay gap. That's yeah. that's what you're saying. So say say we knew that was true and we don't obviously. Yeah, that I mean that that that, that that's probably not the case. I'm yeah. going to put that out there right now. I don't want to I love Brewdog. No, but doing it as a thought general, experiment but... just purely yeah, 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 academic. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make that yeah. very clear. Um I it does change the uh the result of the action, I think. Do you think? I think that, um, yeah, I think it does massively because, you know, doing it, doing it because you have to, mm. or doing it because it's the right thing to do are two separate things, okay, two completely so... separate things, and it and it changes the action because it will completely change the the public perception of it. And at the end of the day, with something like this, the public perception of it is actually really important because you need women to be on board with it, mm. surely, and you need the you need you need people to believe in what you're doing and not just doing it. Do you know? Do you, do you know what I mean? I I know what you mean. You so, know, the effect of donating that much money to women's charities will be great, mm. but actually, at the end of the day, there's a lot to be said for the public perception of. Of issues okay, like that. so so taking away the public perception is the morality of the act. Does it change? So, in fact, moving away from Brewdog and going to the trolley problem, which is a problem that I really like. <sighs> the trolley problem. Uh, shout out to the good place. I would like. I'm very interested to hear how you're going to weave the trolley problem into this. So it's not really the trolley problem, but it's Great. but it involves a train. <laughs> <laughs> So a train is going down a track. It mm-hmm. is. Uh, it can't stop, and you see a person tied to the track. Mm-hmm. So you walk over to the person tied to the track, and you can either untie them or do nothing, and then they get hit by the train and they die. Okay. So person A unties them because they don't want this person to die. They see a value in a human life, mm-hmm. and they say, I don't want you to get hit by this train. I'm going to untie you so that you do not die. And they untie them, and they live. Mm-hmm. Person B unties them purely because they know that it will get them in the newspapers. Mm. All of their friends will say, that is so amazing, I can't believe you did that. And they get public adulation. Is that act the same? Is it different? (laughs) It is different. Is it morally different? I believe Morally, I believe it's different. I think in a literal sense, they're doing the same thing. They're untying the person. Because one life is saved. Whether or not you do it for selfish reasons or for selfless reasons. It, yeah, but... It, the result it's, is it's, exactly the, the same. The result is the... Well, it's not, though, actually. It's not. 
that life is saved. But that life is saved because someone saw value in that person's life. And for the sake of this argument, that person, those two people could go on to become good friends because, you know, he saved mm. their life and they, they, you know, the person was entirely appreciative of that and they genuinely formed a connection because of it and it was, you know, this horrific thing that was about to happen. This person just saved their life purely because they saw a human life on the line that, and saw value in that. Whereas the other person doesn't really care. They just did it for kind of the fame and the whatever because mm. they could get in the newspapers and there would therefore not necessarily be any human connection with that person and the person tied to the train tracks. And... I think I think there's a lot to be said for the for the your reasons for doing it. Yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the life is saved. But actually, beyond that, there is so many other things to be considered. Mm. That's how, that's what I think. I'm trying to think of how this relates back to what I was saying. <laughs> so what what we were saying is, does it matter whether or not Brewdog did this because they have a pay a gender pay gap? Yes, I think it matters entirely. And so. Completely, I yeah. So actually, yeah, I think that it is it because because as well because it's not just a person untying someone from a, it's not it's not that same situation. It mm. is quite different, and and I understand that that was probably the best metaphor you could. Yeah, so I was trying and to simplify it, it down. It is the best so thing. Can build it back up. Yeah, the best thing, the best example you could have gone with, but for a company that's in the public eye and a company that, um, you know, relies on people buying their beer. They needed something to stop people from falling out of touch with their brand. Mm. Their brand being the most important thing here, for starters. For them. For them. Well, yeah, of course, for them. That's just yeah. what I'm talking about. I just me. wanted to clear up that we're not saying that <laughs> <We're> not saying <laughs> the Brewdog Brewdog's brand is more important is than gender women's equality. Rights, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so from their perspective, at the end of the day, actually, you know, the, the brand is probably the most important thing. Mm. If and they so don't have a brand, they don't have a job. They don't have a... Yeah, they don't even have a beer if they don't have a brand. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's an incredibly um, important thing to remember with a lot of um, marketing stunts is everything is about the brand. But anyway, <laughs> regardless of that, we're not going to get into that right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going um, with that. I, uh, but it's just some... You know, it just popped into my head. Mm. Um... Brewdog, regardless of the uh, moral intentions of it, that you know this, it it is going to be beneficial to women's charities, okay. for example, through the sale of the beers. And while I am, while I do disagree that it is not the same thing, for depending on the reasons of why they're doing it, mm. I think that actually it's still a good thing to do. You can't fault them necessarily for wanting to, you know, regardless of whether it's because they had to release their pay gap or whatever, I don't think you can fault them too much for trying to release a charity beer to contribute to women's charities. Maybe, perhaps, there might have been better deliveries in it, or better ways to deliver it, um, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, at the end of the day, it's quite a good thing mm. that they've done, I think, personally. And, you know, for women to charge women 20% less in the Brewdog bars as well, I think I think that's incredibly uh, 
I don't necessarily think that's necessarily, you know, um, life-altering or, you know... I, I think it's clever. It is. That's I it. It's, it's clever, clever and it's... And it's funny. It's poignant. Yeah. In, for, um, and more than anything else. Um, we really have spoken for so long about <laughs> this Brewdog thing. I but, think we, we went down different avenues, though, so hopefully you haven't turned off. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just... It's been an incredibly interesting and... Um, uh, uh, current situation in the past week, mm. I think. And I just going back to a more meta analysis of that conversation. We started this podcast because we get drunk and we argue about things. <laughs> and and the, what have we done today? We we got drunk and we've argued about things. And not just about things, beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, this has been this has actually probably been one of my favourite conversations we've had on this podcast. Mm. Just talking about this Brewdog situation. And again, I would like to make it very clear that I think, you know, from both of our perspectives, it's uh, important to remember that we are talking about this from a place of privilege. Yes. And we are talking about, we can talk about it very dispassionately. Well, not dispassionately, but we can talk about it very, I don't know, from a position of, oh yes, well, I think this is the morally right thing to do. Mm. Because it doesn't affect us. It yeah. <laughs> the gender pay gap doesn't affect us. Which is shit. <laughs> it really, I think actually it is. It is shit. Mm. Um, that not shit that it doesn't affect us because that would be a stupid thing to say. Yeah. But uh, shit that it affects people. Mm. Uh, shit that it affects fifty-one percent of the population. Exactly. Because um, democracy is a good thing, my friend. It is. Fifty-one percent definitely works. Um. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that, you know, we, we can talk, we talk about this as if, you know, it's this, this thing that we have this authority to talk about. Yeah. But perhaps we, are, we don't. Um, we are two guys getting drunk yeah. who could definitely use some education. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I, I like to think that we're both quite well educated and we try and stay completely mindful about issues like these. But, mm. like what I was saying just now, I love people challenging my belief systems and mm. and my views on things because at the end of the day well, I'm learning more so yeah I, I think that like you can come at it from a very like wholesome I like to learn and then from my quite egotistical point of view I love to be right <laughs> <laughs> and so if my my perception from as a white cis uh, <laughs> yes. male non uh, like you know, uh, non or, or binary. I was going to say it's not non-binary. I, I, it's binary. <laughs> binary male, um, non-disabled point of view. Mm. Like, if you tell me something that gets me closer to the truth, I'm more right than I was before. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't care that I was wrong. You told me something. <laughs> I was wrong before, but I'm not now. <laughs> exactly, and I and I know more. And so it's like, you know what? All those other white cisgendered, non-disabled <laughs> binary people. You're now less right than I am. Exactly, <laughs> and I can lord it over you. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So we had so many things we want to talk about in this podcast, and we're already fifty minutes in, <laughs> <laughs> and we've just spoken. We've all we've done is talk about Brewdog. Um, 
Um, I'll tell you one thing that I want to talk about, Brian. Yeah. At work, we did uh, personality tests. Mm-hmm. And so they ranked you uh, on the Y scale. Uh, so that's going up and down for you non-maths kids. <laughs> um, Thank it, you. It was uh, attention to detail and big picture thinking. And then ah, on yes. the X axis, mm-hmm. it was um, introvert and extrovert. Mm. So <laughs> I was ranked something like... 90% extrovert and 0%, 0% attention to detail. <laughs> Wait, so that's that's 100% big picture thinking? Yeah. Okay, so, right, when you say 0% attention to detail, that sounds kind of shit. But when you say 100% big picture thinking, that sounds... It, it know, does sound quite positive, quite but I quite better. like talking about it the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would probably... Uh, I would probably be... 80% extrovert, maybe. Mm. I'm not as extroverted as you are. Mm. Um, there are certain situations I can already think of that prove that <laughs> in my head, um, that you are more extroverted than I am. Uh, I like to think of myself as a... Right, this is going to sound like the most wanky thing I've ever said, but it's a thing that I've heard other people say, which mm. is why I say it, but like an extroverted introvert. Yeah. Um, so you have like 25% introvert in you. Yeah, so let's say I'm 75% extrovert. Yeah. Um, and I would say I'm probably like, yeah, 100% big picture thinking rather than <laughs> attention to detail. I'm probably with you on that one. So, we're, so yeah, shout we're out to Team Talents, actually. Yeah, I Team know that I, Talents. I know that I've ragged on... Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't say it because we don't need to say it anymore. <laughs> I ragged on companies that have been really shit, but actually, <laughs> Team Talents was very, very good. And I thought that it was interesting. It was an interesting perspective that um, quite a lot of uh, people find it really, really difficult to go out there and talk to people. And the, the example was given of there is a meeting and you don't know anything about the meeting and you're asked to go in and there is a presentation that's just going to play and you have to present it, and you've no idea what what's going on, you've no idea who's in the meeting, are you afraid, or are you excited? I am very... I would say I actually am very excited at that I prospect. I am so excited. And then the other example they gave is, you're going to a party, and you know no one there, and your friend hasn't turned up yet. Are you excited, or are you afraid? That is different. I am a, very much a mixture of both. Because I, I will defend to my dying breath that the best parties I've ever been to... Oh, where you know no one. Oh, where the other ones that you know... Not no one, but you don't know most of the people in the room. Mm. So I, if I know one or two people, that's perfect, because I have a safe person that I can yeah. be with and talk to. But not knowing every, not knowing anyone else is great, because you've got all these potential people that you could talk to and, yeah. you know, whatever. You can make all the jokes you've made over the past 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> all the fresh. Yeah. Um, but the, the friend not being there yet, that's what that's what gives a little mm. bit of fear. So I would say I am probably equal parts. See, um, I would just love it. I would love it so much. <laughs> and so I, I, the thing that I would love 
is a like my friend arrives and I'm doing a keg stand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're already in with everyone. Everybody's like, <laughs> like I walk past and I've got like six different personalized handshakes <laughs> with like different people. With, oh, sorry if you arrived, James. Let me just. Oh, how's it going, Jimmy? How's it going, Jeffrey? How's it going, Sarah? How's it going, Miranda? How's it going? <laughs> James and Jimmy could potentially be the same person. They could be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> so have you, have you finished right. with that beer because mm-hmm. my words mm. so I'm leaving the stout to the end I hope that's alright mm. it's a raspberry chocolate stout mm. okay. <laughs> like swallow <laughs> it and then use your words we've got two others right we've got two others yeah so this isn't the end you're opening this, this one now well I was going to but I could not you said you were going to save it to the end yeah I was going to save it to the end yeah don't open it now oh okay <laughs> Let pray silence for the crack. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, it spiked so high on the audio it there. Did, I yes. think that that might have been that's a bad thing. Gonna, that's gonna be so loud. I would say lower your earphones, but it's too late. Rest in peace. <laughs> if, you're, if you're hearing us say lower your earphones, it's oh, that's right, stop. That's enough. <laughs> this is a it is so chocolatey. What's the percentage? Uh, it is Oh Christ. Five point two. We need so... to stop buying stouts for this podcast. <laughs> I love stouts so much. I I don't know. It some of them have been nice. I enjoy some of them, but actually in comparison to a good IPA or a PA <laughs> or or an A. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I, yeah. I don't. You know. I'm, so on the nose, I'm getting coffee notes because it, it says mm. it's a raspberry chocolate stout. I'm not getting any, getting any raspberry. A little I'm, bit. Of chocolate. I'm getting the raspberry actually. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I've gone straight in for a sip, and there is that tartness again. Well, okay, I can taste the raspberry massively. I can't taste the raspberry at all. Do you have taste buds? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can really taste the raspberry. That is um, but that tastes more like coffee than chocolate. I don't taste chocolate yeah, at all. I, I can't taste coffee. Yeah, it's just coffee, and I cannot taste raspberry at all. Yeah, I can taste the raspberry certainly. Mm. Interesting. Blech. I've forgotten what we're so, arguing about. Uh, I. It doesn't matter. Oh anything. yeah, being extrovert. And oh yeah, it wasn't really an argument. It was no. a discussion. The Oscars, I would like to talk about. Yeah, go for it. So I used to stay up every year to watch the Oscars. Oh, that's such a bad decision. It was always, it was something I was passionate about. You know, when I was in sixth form, for example, I used to run a film blog. And I stayed up to watch the Oscars all night, on a Sunday night, Mm. despite having, you know, to go to school School. in the morning. Um, The Oscars finished at 5am and I had to get, I had to leave at 7 for school. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't fun. Anyway. Um, I used yeah, so I used to stay up and watch the Oscars, and it was great, and I used to love it, and I don't, I haven't been able to do it this year because I'm working full time, and it's just not feasible realistically. <laughs> um, sorry. I I like that the, the I there's something quite beautiful about your dedication to your job that you did not have to school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true actually, because um, even when I was at uni, I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm staying up. And it's, I don't even think it's necessarily a dedication to the job. It's a, it's a case of I am not, I'm going to suffer the entire day on a personal level if I stay up. So I, yeah, it, it wasn't a good idea. But 
I was very happy with the results of the Oscars this year, actually. Um, Jordan Peele won uh, Best Original Screenplay for Get of, Out. Of Key and Peele fame. Of Key and Peele fame. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, there's a there's a, the photos of him backstage at the Oscars. Like crying, isn't like he? Like watching, and he's like, out of his seat, he's like jumped, hands in the air, like so happy. Um, I feel like when you win your Oscar, that's what my reaction's going to be. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you said that, it just, that's all, I love you. Um, and I, and Jordan Peele made this incredible sort of acceptance speech, and he said that with that, now this is probably just me being soppy coming from a writer's perspective, mm. um, but for me as a writer, it, it meant a lot, and he said that he abandoned that, that script 20 times because he didn't think that anything would ever come of it or that anyone would ever make it and it just won best original screenplay at the oscars mm. and I, I just that was mad to me you are spilling so much it's right i only spit it on my hand this time I, and i think that it, all it's... it is is it's because of the way i'm like moving the glass it's not even okay that, that's not interesting so the, the <laughs> i think that it comes back to a thing that you quite often say, which is writing is rewriting. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just a thing that people always say, so I might be... I mean, credit- I feel any- <laughs> I feel like anyone that is a writer would would tell you that writing is writing is rewriting. Yeah. <laughs> writing is mostly just rewriting. Like, the the first draft of anything is, you, is probably terrible. Mm. Um, and... If it's not, you're incredibly lucky. I'm not. I'm not exactly a professional, mm. um, but yeah. And I think you have done a degree in it, though. Yeah, in like film production, and you know, I I wrote <laughs> wrote and directed six short films in that time. That's more than I've ever done. <laughs> but yeah, I did write them all. To be fair, six but, um, more than I've ever done actually. I, sp- I suppose so. <laughs> um, but uh, writing is very much what is. Uh, I'm finding to be my calling, I suppose. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's at the point now I'm, I'm finding it interesting. It's um, when people ask... Because I very much... So when people ask, what do you do? I find this to be a very interesting point. And this I think is something, that's a difficult answer for a creative to, to have. It is, but I also think it should be... So... So the Minimalist Podcast, shout out to the Minimalist Podcast. Shout out. Changed my fucking life. Okay. <laughs> um, and I listen to it every week. And uh, it's uh, uh, Joshua Fields Milburn and um, Ryan Nicodemus. And they are they are the Minimalists. Mm. Um, they have a documentary on Netflix called Minimalism. Um, but they started off as a blog uh, and then started a podcast. And then they made the documentary. They're actually making a new documentary currently, which I'm quite excited about. Um, and they do like speaking tours and stuff like that. So what's it about? Uh, about like living a minimalist lifestyle. Yeah. Um, essentially. So is yeah. that about like just being frugal or? Uh, living with less mm. is generally the, uh, the general slogan, I suppose they go with. Um, and about like generally having less possessions and because you, because you have less possessions, being able to put more attention into the more important things in your life. Um, and like it's, your relationships and yeah, your experience and your health and mm. yeah and all those and the, the important things and it's something that has actually affected my life in quite a big way in the last year i uh, i watched the documentary on netflix uh, about a year ago and um it it completely changed it didn't even change my view on things necessarily 
it opened my eyes to the to what I was looking for. I think um, there were a lot of things about my life. I think that I wanted to change, mm. but I didn't have. You didn't have a mechanism. Yeah, and all of these things came into this one thing with minimalism, and mm. it was all. It was like that was it was exactly what I'd been looking for, essentially. And maybe that can maybe on the surface that actually probably does sound slightly culty. Um, I was going to say that sounds hella like a cult. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I, you know, I'm aware of how that sounds, but it's not. It's it's a it's a lifestyle choice, not a not like a. Because, for instance, you could leave any time you want. <laughs> don't no, no, that makes it sound like way more of a cult. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but for instance, I wanted to have less things. Mm. I feel like I have too many things, and it, it it clutters up my life, and it clutters up, you know. Every, I, I just I have too many things. Even now, I cleared out an awful lot of my stuff, and now I st- and I still have far too much stuff. Write in if you can tell us whether or not it's less or fewer things, because I think it might be fewer things. What do you mean? Because I think f- it's fewer if you can count the thing that you're talking about. So the things that you own, you own. A finite number of things. Okay, interesting. Whereas the, the amount of anger that you have, you can't. So you can be less angry, but you can't be fewer angry. Okay, I can see your point. You can have fewer angry moments. Is it that important? No. <laughs> is, is my next question. <laughs> is it that? Is it, is, so there, there's, there's, please, please write in and let us know about this incredibly insignificant grammatical perspective. There's, there's two questions. That, is it that important? Not really. Is it that interesting? Not, Not really. really. <laughs> Third follow-up question. Was I in the middle of a story? Yes, yes I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't even remember my fucking point now. Minimalism. Yeah, what was I going... Where was I going with that, though? With, with how it changed your life and... Uh, how important it was to you. Yeah, but why did we start talking about it? <laughs> oh, Christ. Because you were talking about the uh, podcast, minimalist podcast. Yeah, but why? Oh, my God. Is the God. question. Um, I'm, I'm halfway to pausing it and... So, what I've... Right, so what we did there is we did pause it and we did go back and listen. <laughs> and it seems to you seamless. That we didn't do that because we just hit pause and then we hit record again. <laughs> At least we didn't bring it up. At least we didn't mention it, <laughs> as we didn't mention it the last time this happened and we had to do this. It's yep. always something to do with something I'm fucking talking about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm, I'm an interrupter, you I know that. tangential bastard. <laughs> You're playing with my chan- tangenticals. <laughs> so my point was, anyway, um, that um, when people ask, what do you do? Yep. So the, my point about bringing up the minimalist podcast is, they, is something they've spoken about, and people, you know, when people ask what do you do, you all everyone answers with their profession mm. and what they do for a job, and that isn't necessarily that isn't necessarily the thing people want to identify them with themselves. Mm. And I think that's for me currently. That's you know, I'm an office manager at the moment, mm. and that's not who you are, who I am, or who I want to be. Or who I want people to think of me as. Mm. That's my job for now. Oh, Brian. Brian, the uh, the office manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, You know, I, I quite enjoy my job, quite frankly. Mm. Um, but, it's, but it's not your identity. It's not, and it's not anything, you know, uh, I, I'm going to go and do a master's 
and I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's not gonna be in office management. It's, it's not. Um, but so that, that that that's the point. I think, you know, they talk about that a lot. Like, you know, when people say, "What do you do?" At the moment, for me, I'm trying to say, "What do you do?" I'm a writer. Mm. You know, I don't necessarily have anything very specific to show for it right now, apart from some scripts mm. that I've written. I'm However, sure films that you've written and directed. Well, that's what I mean with yep. scripts. Um, however, you know, we, I mean, we're we're doing this blog. Mm. Um, the things with the blog as well. I feel like that needs addressing. We haven't. We announced the blog and we did an initial post. Yeah, we should have had a bank of things to talk about. I think perhaps, but we are working on that at the moment because, as well, um, one of our good friends. Who I'm not sure they might not want to be mentioned. So shout out to our good friend. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention names. Okay, sorry, um, I'm interrupting again. Is uh, has gave us a very 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 little mock up design of a website, and it, was and it is beautiful, a hundred times better than our shitty WordPress. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so it's we're we're figuring things out with the to, blog at the to moment. To quote him. It was so bad that it made my eyes bleed, and that's why I had to make this for you. <laughs> <laughs> and my eyes will never bleed again they after seeing not. what he created. They're so. like little bandages. <laughs> but yeah, so that's why things are on hold with the blog at the moment. But, I, but that's my point, is that I think when people ask you what you do... You need to think about it. It's not necessarily... You don't have to say what your job is. Mm. You know, if you work in a shop... you. You don't. If, when someone says, "What do you do?" You don't have to say. I work for Woolies. I work in. I mean, no one works for Woolies these <laughs> days, but. Uh, Rest in peace, Woolworths. I. You know, you don't have to say I work for McColls. Mm. You know, it's or Martins or. I, I I'm very using very niche corner shop references, but. <laughs> Londis. Londis. I, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Ah, Costco. <laughs> hang on, there's, there's got to be a thing that we need to say for all like. Across the pond, listeners though. Um, Seven uh, Eleven. Uh, Seven Eleven. There we go. Or, um, or um, who owns Asda? Walmart. Walmart. There, there we go. go. I work for Walmart, and that is my personality. Yeah. Or um, I'm trying to think of more. Kmart. Kmart. That's a good one. Yeah. That's that. That's a thing that exists. So, <laughs> so the point is, <laughs> is that your identity is not your job. Yes, uh, unless that is what you want it to be. And I think that part of the goal of a lot of people in life is to align those two things. And a lot yeah. part of the goal of a lot of people is to not align those two things. So if you think about people who enjoy playing video games, they like to do that as much as possible in their spare time, but they would never want to become someone who plays video games professionally because that would ruin it for them. Totally, and I feel that way. I very much enjoy, well, I very much enjoy video games. Mm-hmm. I do. And sometimes sometimes I'm very not in the mood for them as well. Which is why I certainly wouldn't want to do it as a job mm. person on a personal note, but I can totally see how something like video games or playing video games for a living would become very boring very quickly mm. because it's I mean as soon as even even when I was at university, so you know, I did a film a film degree, but you know, in that you time get some spare time when not not even that's not even what I'm the point Sorry, I'm trying I to make, but <laughs> it's fine. But I'm my my point being, again. that's something I love doing. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a deadline and this matters an awful lot 
to what you're going to graduate with, it becomes an awful lot like work. Yeah. And it can become very uh, dissatisfying and disenfranchising or whatever to do all of a sudden. Mm. And you suddenly don't want to do it because it's because it's work all of a sudden. Because it's forced on you yeah. rather than it coming organically. That That's it, yeah. And uh, I think that's an interesting, uh, an interesting point. Um, and I think that, like, without getting too socialist here, there is a Marxist analysis of this of saying that it is in your employer's um, interest to make you think that the person you are is the job that you do. Mm. And I think that if you're looking at this through a Marxist lens, you say that you are alienated from yourself. You don't. You are stopped from being your true self. By people expecting you to say, what do you do? And that answer being your job. Mm. That's a very interesting point. Uh, yeah, and I think that is very much a... It, it, it sounds like it's not a big societal issue. And I think, uh, actually, when you really think about it, characterising people by what they do for a job is is inherently wrong, I think. And I think, uh, unless... That is a job that's that is a career, and that someone has worked incredibly hard to get for, or to get to, mm. um, and that is something they're passionate about. Because if I was a film director, and someone said, "What do I do?" I'd be like, "I am I'm a, a fucking film. film director." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, and I think you know, bringing in the idea of socialist Marxist um, uh, analysis analysis of it. It's very much, you, you know, in in a, in a socialist society, you wouldn't want to be defined by your contribution mm. necessarily. You know, because everyone contributes, and it doesn't necessarily define you by what you contribute. So Marx dreamed of a society where you could, something like, herd cattle in the morning, fish in the afternoon, read poetry in the evening... And do something else for dinner or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that he envisioned a time where you could do whatever you want, besides be a vegetarian. I think because <laughs> <laughs> all of those <laughs> involved meat. But like, we'll wash over that because like <laughs> he he had a lot. He had enough um, oppression in his life. He doesn't need to be attacked by the veggies <laughs> as well. Oh, was that your? I that, thought that you were. That was just my punchline. But yeah, so I just I think that's that's an, uh, an important point to make and, a, and an interesting one, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> if you don't think it's interesting, get in touch with us on our social media <laughs> channels and let us know why it's not weird. interesting and why you tuned out of this episode 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, For anyone who still wants some Brewdog talk... <laughs> we are about to crack open a beer that is not a Brewdog beer. It is Green Flash Passion Fruit Kicker. Wheat ale with passion fruit, luscious and tart. So, you know how I described the first beer as quite tart? Mm-hmm. This is going to be hella tart. So, it is taste enlightenment as well. That, that's. I would it... just like to point out yeah? that to the very end of that last beer, I could taste raspberry to the max. Mm. The, the, the sharpness of the raspberry, I could just get the whole way through. You remember when... Um... I could not taste... Any raspberry. <laughs> so, uh, at the wedding we were recently at... At my mum and dad's re- wedding. I didn't know if you wanted to say, that's why no, I didn't No, I'm quite proud say. of it, actually. I would be. 
They are uh, they are two wonderful people. I yeah. And I felt very uh, privileged to be able to. Be so there these and... are my biological mother and father. <laughs> yes. Who have been together for thirty three years. Which is incredible. I know. I haven't done anything for thirty three years. It, I haven't even breathed for thirty three. It, it would be incredible to be together for thirty three years, and and then break be, up and and have been married for that long. Mm. Uh. And, and yeah, and then break up, and then that would be like you know, be like they had a good run, mm. you know, they did well, <laughs> but it, yeah, and and also, your parents are two of the most wonderful people. They are ever. fantastic. I am very blessed. Um, so it yeah. It, uh, what as... did they do to deserve someone like me? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, from an outside perspective, to uh, to just just have been invited and to and to be there was was an incredibly um what's the word for it it was a wonderful experience and I've, i felt very grateful for it thank you and uh so <laughs> say it <laughs> pray silence for the crack this goes out to mum and dad that cracks for you <laughs> <laughs> see when they said what <laughs> What we want for our wedding present is some crack. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best you could offer them. <laughs> but my point being... Times are tough. At your parents' wedding, um, there was a beer called... Was it Framboise? Framboise. Which is French for raspberry, I believe. It is. It was French for strawberry. Oh, it might have been strawberry. Anyway. No, hang on. No, no, no. What's French for strawberry? Uh. uh oh... God. See, if Liam were here right now, he'd be able to tell us he's having French lessons, apparently. Phrase. Phrase. That's strawberry, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, because I knew it was an F-R-A. That's why I am... As someone that's been to France for the last 16 years in a row, or or so, maybe 17, (laughs) actually, uh, you'd think that I would be quite fluent. Yeah, so French for raspberry is framboise. Yeah, okay. Frambois. Framboise. Maybe from from it's it's from, a it's a bois, bois I, I believe. Bois. Anyway, there's a beer called that, and it was a beer that was so fruity that it sh- tasted like it should have been a cider. Yeah, like a but fruity it was cider. a lager. But it was a lager, and it was it was really nice. But we sh- actually shared a pint, mm. um, because it was it was so very sweet. sweet, and we wouldn't have been able. I couldn't. I certainly couldn't have drank a whole pint. No, of that. it would be like drinking chocolate or something like that. It would no. It'd be worse. It'd be like drinking, drinking like syrup. Oh I yeah. Think, perhaps you know. Right. Let's take this on the nose. Oh, am I like? Oh, that's fruity. It's quite fruity. I'm not getting any raspberry. Let's be honest. Is this supposed to be raspberry? What I the fuck is this? So. No, it's passion fruit. Oh, I'm getting passion fruit passion massively. Fruit. Oh, I'm getting some passion fruit. No, I apologise to all the passion fruits out there. No, ra- raspberry was the last one. It was the last one. It's five point five percent. Do I have a little paragraph to read? No, there's no paragraph. Dude. I kept looking for it. What a crock of shit. <laughs> it is terrible beer before we've even tried it. Brewed in San Diego, California, though. Which is interesting. A lot of these are usually brewed in England. Mm. I, I really like it. I, um, I've i taken my first sip. And I'll tell you what I like about passion fruit. This is really nice. This is very because, passion fruity. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, passion fruit is what you put in the top of a porn star martini, right? It is. You are correct. And I love... 
passion fruit so much that whenever my friends get a porn star martini and they don't eat the passion fruit. <laughs> Just take it right out of the cup. <laughs> I'll eat the passion fruit. It's He's, a nice fruit. It is a good such one. a nice fruit. It's so exotic. Yeah. I remember. It's very zingy. So yeah. I, I went to the Scouts for a very short period of time when I was young. Yeah. And they gave me passion fruit. And then I didn't know the name of it. And imagine trying to describe what a passion fruit is to your parents. <laughs> I was like, it's sort of yellowy and stringy. It, it tastes like, like... Happiness. Like passion. <laughs> <laughs> it made me want to do the tango. <laughs> if, you, if you said that to me, you tasted this fruit and it made you want to do the tango, I'd be like, that's probably a passion fruit. <laughs> that or, or like a... Uh, oh, I don't know what else that could be. Interesting. No, yeah, I'd probably go passion, yeah, passion fruit. fruit. Maybe a pomegranate if I short-sightedly guessed. But, <laughs> even, but after thinking about it, we're like, no, not pomegranate. <laughs> Obviously not a pomegranate. Obviously a passion fruit. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is I like this beer because it tastes like passion fruit. I love me some passion fruit. This is very passion fruity as a beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rolling on back to the Oscars of Dash. Oh, I did. I started. I'm such an interrupter. I'm well, really I don't even know how we got away from it, to be honest. So, Guillermo del Toro won Best Director, and The Shape of Water, the film that Guillermo del Toro wrote and directed, won Best Picture. And The Shape of Water is an incredibly wonderful film, and I would recommend that you go see it if you get a chance, because it's a very original love story and if there's if there's one thing I love it's love <laughs> and if there's another thing I love even more than love is love depicted being in films depicted in an original way so it, the, the basis is this woman the woman in the main character is a mute and she can't speak oh yeah yeah you're like disability <laughs> <laughs> um and she ends up falling in love with this like merman essentially it's like a fish man essentially okay so it's it's kind of like the head it, of a fish no it's like the body structure of a man but it's reptilian and okay. you know has gills and lives underwater um and your great great granddaughter <laughs> move on i'm an interrupter <laughs> um but yeah, and it, it it's it's beautiful. Um, it's very the, the 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 sort of vibe I got from it was very um, Bioshock. If you ever played that game, oh, that's interesting. It has it very much has that kind of feel to it um, because just because of the colors and the and the setting and mm. the, you know all that sort of thing. But um, it it was a beautiful film, and I'm quite glad it won. Well, I say I'm quite glad it won. I think. Three billboards outside Epping, Missouri, served to win Best Picture. On a personal note, I loved The Shape of Water, but what I loved even more was Three Billboards because Three Billboards is an incredible film, and if you get a chance to see it, still go and fucking see it because it is amazing. Um, Sam Rockwell won Best Supporting Actor. Frances McDormand won Best Actress in a Leading Role. So, for people who don't listen, who don't watch films, you're just saying names. I am, yeah. For people that don't, but. My point being, those are two the the two of the main characters in the film, and they both won their respective Oscars oh. for the roles they played in that film. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. That, so that I needed that piece of context. Yeah. Um, 
I thought that was mildly obvious, but no. fair enough. I apologise for not I'm being sorry. obvious like, enough. I'm the I'm the idiot in the audience. <laughs> to, like, I know that's probably it's or... probably my fault for just assuming that it was like a it, it was understood. That's actually on me. Um, but it it's an amazing film, and go go and bloody see it because it is amazing. Um, but also, The Shape of Water is too. So, you know, you should go see that. And that one Best Picture. And I, I was happy to see it. Because Guillermo del Toro is such a wonderful man as well, on the surface. He's Mexican. Um, and he, he just had such like an inspirational acceptance speech, you know. He, he sort of devoted it to all the creators out there in, you know, in the far reaches of the world that, you know maybe their voices won't be heard or feel like their voices won't be heard and it's quite clear that now is the time that their voices will be heard and and it, it was such a lovely speech and mm-hmm. he seems like such a lovely man and everyone that's worked with him generally says that he is just like a wonderful person it, to work in with. fact my drama teacher has worked with Guillermo del, del Toro well bloody hell and uh, so like and he was like honestly if you want to get started with anyone just start with Guillermo. Just do audition for everything that he does because he's such a lovely man. And if you Aww. ever got like even an extra part in one of his films, you would be so set up for the rest of your career. That's such a wonderful thing to hear because he just seems so lovely. Mm. And yeah, and that is the kind of that's that's all the kind of thing I've ever heard is that mm. he's just so lovely. Um, because apparently when he was, I think when they were shooting Pan's Labyrinth, I think. So the, the main character- which is a scary film. It is. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah, it's creepy. It's not scary, I'd say. It's creepy. Yeah, it is really creepy. So the main character in that is a little girl, and apparently he said to her, like, when they were filming it, because she found him kind of intimidating, because he's a big guy. Um, and he said, uh, he, he she just called, she called him Totoro for the whole film, because <laughs> of my neighbour Totoro, the, the Studio Ghibli anime film. And and that like eased her through like the whole thing, and he was just like, yeah, just call me, just call me Totoro, and I'm like, that's so cute. Oh my god, <laughs> children is just the purest things, aren't they? Yeah, and so is Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pan's Labyrinth also a great film. Guillermo del Toro is a great director. Um, I haven't seen Pacific Rim. I've been wanting to see that for a while. That's like, is that like bigger robots taking each other on? Yeah, it's very. Uh, um, I can't think of the right. Oh shit! What film is it like? Um, that guy who does all the lens flare. Are you talking about? J <laughs> J Abrams. Yeah. No, it's um. Because I, I, I thought there was a lot of explosions in it. There are a lot. Of, no, that's Michael Bay. You're thinking of. Ah, uh, Michael Bay. Yeah, it, Michael Bay's with all the explosions. It's kind of Transformersy, but it's yeah. like I again, I haven't seen it actually. Is so it? <laughs> so I'm gonna make a prediction. It's Transformersy, but it has a fucking plot. Yeah, that's, like, that's like... I don't know if I've mentioned this. I, I kind of I don't like to talk about it in a public setting. I fucking hate Transformers. <laughs> you do. I. Oh no! Oh I'm my word! Oh no! I'm getting a phone call. Ah, right. Apologies for the um. Uh, apologies for the phone call. Oh gosh, that felt bad. Right, Ben, talk for a second. <laughs> so one of the things, so like we always have the. What have you been listening to? Uh, recently and I've I want to make an apology to my friend Juan because he introduced me to Stromy Stromy is he's a French rapper and 
I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but it's like S-T-R-O-M-A-E. Anyway, my friend Juan introduced me to him and he did the Papa Ute song, which is about him asking father, where are you? Because he um, grew up in a single parent family with just his mum. And so it's him asking father, where are you? Um, you know, why, why, why have you abandoned me? Which is such, such a, like, emotive song. And it just, like, it grabs me. The minute that I listened to it, it grabbed me. I mean, it didn't grab me that much because I didn't listen to any more of uh, <laughs> Strome. But, um, then I went back and listened to Allah's On Dance this week. And my word is that a tune. I want it to be on in a club because just the way that it goes, Allah's on dance. <laughs> and then there's like a Liberian um, like flute or something. It's just like... It's like so brittle and so cutting that it like... It just, it takes over my soul, man. Like, I can't listen to that song without driving along. But hidden in there is a productivity productivity tip, which is listen to a language that you do not speak if you want to read or get some work done. Because I can't understand any of these words. Like, (laughs) Papa Ute, no idea what that means. Allah's on dance. It has the word dance in it, I'm guessing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's what uh, a lot on dance means. Um, and then there's like some Liberian flutes or whatever it is. But I haven't even heard this song. And I want it's it. So good. Yeah. I played it to my mum, and she even said, "Like, I can see why you like this." <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, high praise coming from. I her. don't mean to interrupt, but I'm going to play the voicemail I just received. It's not going to pick up well on. The I'm. Well, I was going to put it on speaker. Yeah, I can put it on speaker. Here we go. 58 p.m. Hello, Brian. It is I. Just letting you know, you smell so bad. That is all. Goodbye. To return the call at your normal call rate. Don't you just love having a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's who was calling. And when I rejected the call, that's the voicemail I got. <laughs> Followed by a text that said... You should you should play the voicemail on the podcast. So there you go. <laughs> That's that. Um, she needed everyone to know that I fucking smell. That's uh, yes. Um, <laughs> God. Oh. Um. Oh my God. This right. So this podcast has flown by faster than any other podcast that we've ever done, in my opinion. Um, we're at an hour thirty already. Yeah. It. And we have another beer to go. We do. Uh, we're going to have to push it for another ten minutes or so. Mm. And that's fine, I think. It's, I feel um, like it has been a while. I'm necking this one. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, we uh, initially we were like, we should cut it down to an hour, but an hour and a half is the length we go for. And I listen to an awful lot of podcasts that go for an hour and a half, and some that go for longer. So, you know, I don't necessarily think... that it's a bad thing to go for an hour and a half, because I know that we sometimes are conscious of that um so 
yet like that we perhaps go on too long. I don't know, but I don't know. I think at the start we were like, well, no one wants to listen to us at all, and now we're like, yeah, people listen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and it, it means so much that people listen. Um, big shout out to Alfie Hutchins, um, oh, who is a new one. my guy, because he messages me all the time. He's a couple of episodes behind, he said to me yesterday, mm. or the day before, or today, um, with the podcast, but he's he's catching up. Um, See, sorry, carry on with your shout out. I'm, a, I'm an interrupter. <laughs> Alright. Um, he is a blues magician on the guitar, um, and he, I've mentioned him before, because he loves John Mayer. Uh, as I do, um, and he loves Loyal Karna, as I do, as I have mentioned before. As I do appreciate as well. Yeah, loyal, oh, fucking love Loyal Karna. Um, but uh, no, he's great, and uh, I fully appreciate his his messages. And uh, and I he's just also a great guy in general. Appreciate Miriam, uh for listening to the podcast and saying. How much she enjoyed me hating on Sean Derry. <laughs> Derry out. Hashtag Derry out. And then Sean Derry actually left Cambridge United Football Club. Yep. And so she was like, oh, how's it going? And I was like, oh, like I'm pretty happy about the football because like, they've turned things around. They've sacked the manager. And she was like, oh, so I just, just listened to the Derry out podcast. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> so I sort of want to go back and listen to it and then cheer Every time we mention Derry out. Do you have a manager at the moment? Uh, yeah, so it's like our assistant manager. So, yeah, you have an interim manager yeah. at the moment. You don't actually have a He's manager. He's doing pretty fucking well, though. That's fair. That's good. I and mean, that's what you want. When you nomin- sack the manager, you don't want to continue losing. Mm. He was nominated for manager of the month. Wow, that's pretty good. Turned it around. That is good stuff. I mean, that, to is be that- fair, that I mean, the same thing happened with our, with our club. Our assistant manager took over us full time. Your, and- um, your club is? We have, we're doing very well. Your club is? Oh, it is. Oh, I don't know. Does that give away where we live too much? I don't know if I want to do that. Oh, you've mentioned it now. I <laughs> have. <laughs> anyway. Okay, my, uh, yeah, my we club. Li- we live in a place that has recently s- sacked their manager and they turned it around. I mean, they haven't because that, I mean, I'm talking two years ago that this okay. happened, but it well, was the, you... the assistant manager took over and uh, has been doing an impeccable job since. So. Because even I was sceptical. I was like, mm, not sure. Sceptre. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a Borenwood FC supporter, who are National League. Um, and, uh, yeah, two years ago, Ian Allenson, our, our manager, quit because they changed from being a part-time team to a full-time team. And apparently that did not fit in with his schedule very well. <laughs> so he quit. And uh, Luke Garrard, our assistant manager, took over as manager. And he has taken us to new heights that we have never reached before. We are currently doing the best we've ever done as a football team. So football you, club, you guys so. are doing pretty well in the National League. You're doing so well that I think you're pretty high up in the league. And most of your team has nosebleeds. Because they're just so high, they're not used to the altitude. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's quite the uh, yeah. Well, we could be a League Two team next year, which is which insane. Is we are an insane prospect. Well on track to be in the playoffs. Mm. Um, as, yeah, a, as a Cambridge United fan who watched us lose twice at Wembley, <laughs> it's not in the bag yet. <laughs> oh, it's certainly not in the bag. It's yet. very, very crushingly not in the bag. <laughs> but my point being. 
is no, it's very much not an assumption, but it's entirely a possibility this year, possible. which it has never been before. We I'm, could be. I'm checking the cards. We could be on FIFA, and it is on those cards. <laughs> it's, it's on them. <laughs> um, right? Can we crack open the last beer? Let's crack open the last beer on 35 minutes exactly. Pray silence for the crack. I'm so glad they're doing explode everywhere. Oh yeah, no, me too. What is this one? Uh, so, oh, this has got a blurb, so I'll read out. It is an elusive brewing button masher, black IPA 6.5. Do you want to read the blurb? It's oh, very let's small go text. It. Right, I'm going to pour it, and then yeah. I'm going to read the blurb. How can it be a black pale ale? How is that pale, so by I, any stretch of the imagination? I think that pale ale is a brewed for a longer amount of time to kill the bacteria, which uh, is why you, they can be Indian pale ales. Bless you. Which is why they can be Indian pale ales, because when you're sailing a ship to India, as you fillet the can... <laughs> I did lick it out a little bit, didn't I? Uh, Which is why when you're transporting beers to India for your colonial troops who are stationed there, <laughs> you brew it for longer and then you kill the bugs in it and then... It lasts, which is why where an IPA comes from. Uh, okay. I mean, you are literally yawning right now. <laughs> <laughs> at, I got so bored. At my IPA story. But um, I'm going to take this black IPA. I'm going to take I'm it, gonna right, take it on right on the nose. I'm going to take it right on the nose. I might snort some of it just to make sure that it's right on my nose. That smells really nice. Oh, like, why do we... Why do I choose any beers other than IPAs? Because we just love them so much. Just so much. They're so good. Shout out. To IPAs and British colonialism. No, not, mm, not mm, shout mm, out mm, to mm, British colonialism. No, shout out to the end of British colonialism. Exactly. Because what we did cut. for many a year was we just we just went around the world and we put a flag in the ground mm. and we went, I claim India for Britain. And then the Indians <laughs> said, Well, you you can't do that. Oh, We've got yeah. a whole. We got there's <laughs> a, there's a billion like, of uh, us. <laughs> Come up there, would you have a flag? <laughs> I have to say, I am completely ripping off Eddie Izzard right now. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Eddie Izzard. His whole flag. Eddie Izzard was my favourite comedian for many a year. Who's have my favourite comedian right now? Because. So, have you seen Eddie Izzard's um, French uh, set? For uh, Force Majeure. No, I... it's a Pomme de Terre. Oh, I have not. Because I know he did... Because he does, like, most of his tours, he does them, like, in France in fluent French as well. Mm. Because he can speak fluent French. So, one of the things that he does is he does a set entirely in French. Yeah. uh, About a boy going to French school. Uh uh, And he says... Because the uh, pomme de terre is, I think... Pomme is potato, isn't it? I think pom is apple. Apple. Jus de pom. Yeah, no, so, yeah, because jus, jus de pom is apple juice. Yes. So, yeah, okay. So pomme de, de terre is apple of the ground. Okay. So he has this whole elaborate situation set up where in England they rename potatoes as. No, they rename apples as potatoes of the sky. Okay. So, so then it becomes pom de terre, and so then there's, there's this French boy like sitting in a classroom. And he's like, "But why, Miss? Why, Miss? Is it pom de terre? Why is it pom de terre? I don't understand why it's pom de terre." And then he like 
jumps out of a closet <laughs> where he's hiding <laughs> and he like hits the kid over the face and he's like no it is the French language that is stupid it is not a pot- it is not an apple of the ground it is merely a potato <laughs> and we have satirised you <laughs> by calling it an apple of the sky so that you have to translate it back <laughs> And that is why Eddie Izzard is one of the greatest comedians in the world because he can deliver a set not in your native language and you will still piss yourself laughing. And in heels. And in heels. <laughs> because he's a transvestite. <laughs> I feel like that was a very... Trans... Yeah, trans... Transvestite, yeah. Yeah, transvestite is the right word. That's how he would describe it. Mm. And it's... Because that's the thing. He, in one of his stand-up specials, which I have seen many a time, I think it's called Dressed to Kill. Mm. Um, and he, like comes out on stage and everyone's like cheering and he's like and he kind of like jumps around a little bit and he goes yeah in heels as well <laughs> because if I did this normally that'd be alright but if I did this uh, if I did this normally and fell over that'd be embarrassing but if I did this and fell over in heels I'd have to fucking kill myself <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah Eddie Izzard is an incredibly funny man and should be the mayor of London but that's for another time <laughs> uh, yes uh, no, big fan of Eddie Izzard, but also, you know, is it an interesting... Right, oh, I don't even know if we've got enough time for me to ask this question, but is it okay for me to still think that Louis C.K. is my favourite comedian? Mm, that is a thing for people to write in about. That is... That, well, no, this is a genuine thing, because I don't think he is. Oh, oh, God. Because actually, you know, I say I don't think he is. If if none of this had if none of the stuff had come out about him, he most certainly would be my favorite comedian still. Yeah, but the stuff Un- has like, come out about him. But that's nothing to do with his comedy. I mean, it is quite to do with his comedy because of his position of power, because he's a comedian, etc., etc. But it doesn't directly have anything to do with the jokes he tells. Do you, do you know what I mean? And that's, I understand that's, what you that's mean. That's why I And that is I, a very, very fundamental question. Can mm. you separate the art from the artist? See, I would totally think that you can. But there is difficult things within that. You know, I think you certainly should be able to separate the art from the artist. But. there And there is a big but. Mm. <laughs> I cannot lie. <laughs> you other brothers <laughs> right let's not do this cannot deny but when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a red thing in your spray you, you get, get sprung. sprung I said sprace <laughs> a round thing in your face is the line I said a round thing in your sprace um, you, you should be able to separate the art from the artist and I, and I fully do believe that but at the same time which is an interesting perspective from an artist supporting artists that are morally questionable for lack of a better phrasing is not necessarily okay or you don't want to support artists that are abusive etc etc but then how do you necessarily separate the art from the artist when you're supporting is 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 watching a louis ck stand-up special now supporting him even though Mm. so i think there's there's two different questions if you watch someone's stand-up special on Netflix, yeah, do you know if that's supporting them? Like that's a, a that's a factual question. Do I would you know... argue, I would argue that regardless, that is to some degree supporting them. So do you because know... 
the Netflix will get their statistics back that the X amount of people have watched it one. and will still pay for it to be on there, whatever, you know, yeah. like because of the amount of people that watched yeah. it. Now, but saying that, Netflix cancelled Louis C.K.'s next stand up comedy special yeah. because of the stuff that came out. But so, his stand up specials are still on there currently. So then, if you pirate Louis C.K.'s stuff, are you supporting his work? That is an incredibly interesting take on it. Oh, that is that is that so, changes things so much. So because oh. there is no, because I I think that what I'm trying to get away from is by appreciating the art. Are you supporting the artist? Because even torrenting it, I know I know for a fact that. Um, Netflix and other um, media channels, they look at the number of torrents. Yeah, that, yeah and that's they, a huge thing for them. They, and they say, well, yeah. this is this popular because this many people have downloaded it. Yeah, they, they monitor what is being torrented yeah. and then choose what they buy the licensing for based on, on a lot of exactly. that torrents. And that is, that is a huge thing for, for services like Netflix. Also, um, I... Which is free marketing, so don't say don't say to me that you're getting fucking nothing out of time, <laughs> right? It's, it's That's true. market it's research. True. Um, you fuckers. But also, I so know I too someone... Angry. I don't really care about this that much. Someone who is an independent filmmaker mm. who has a film that is out, and I'm not going to mention who it is or what the film is, because um, I don't necessarily like the film. At all, so I don't even necessarily want to promote it. But um, I heard them saying one time, uh, when I was in the same room, they were talking to someone, and I heard them saying that they were incredibly happy that over 100,000 people had torrented their film. Mm. Because it wasn't getting much attention other than that. But apparently the Iraqis had, tor <laughs> had torrented it in their droves. Um, that is really interesting. Yeah, and you know, then that, then with with Iraqi subtitles, or whatever. But but tons of people mm. in the Middle East had been targeting this film, and it was like, well, you know, this amount of people are watching the film, and that meant a lot to that person. So, so from what you're saying, of it means a lot to that person, and it added value to that person's life. It was supporting the artist, liking the art was supporting the artist, but. That was someone who was not a successful person making a lot of money off of this film, mm. bearing in mind. Someone someone like Louis C.K., you know, is a millionaire, re realistically, so, sorry. making an awful lot of money out yeah, of the content I'm he puts out. I'm going to wait for you to finish your point. So, okay, I'm done. Uh, so, but I think that the person who was not that successful but had 100,000 torrents was still encouraged to continue making their art... And put their point of view, and let's, for example, say, say that their point of view is terrible. Mm -hmm. They they are encouraged to put their terrible point of view into the public for con for consumption. But that's true of anyone. That's true of anyone and anyone's point of view. If they so, if they're encouraged by people's reaction to it, then of course they're going to put it out, regardless so, of whether it's good or bad. And that's, so, you know. so the the crux of the issue is that by torrenting this this piece of content. You are supporting that artist. That so, is kind. Of, see, that so, is, I, that's so you're what not, I think. You're not separating the art and the artist. Yeah, which I but I which also, contradicts what you were saying earlier because you were yeah. saying 
I think you can separate the art and the artist. Okay, so taking a different perspective, the film Baby Driver. Okay, Kevin Spacey is in that film, and I watched it recently, and it is a fantastic film for mm. starters. Edgar Wright is a fantastic director. Ansel Eng- Ansel Elgort is amazing as the lead role in it, um, and Kevin Spacey plays. Um, an antagonist, I would say, is the best way to best way to say it. And it didn't taint the film for me at all. I, I rewatched it and I thought, you know, is is you know Kevin Spacey being in it with everything that came out about him? Is that going to change it? Is that going to make me see it with different? <clears throat> sorry, with a different viewpoint. And it didn't. And I genuinely was able to watch it and think, you know, and and I and I was fine. But my point being. Watching a film that Kevin Spacey stars in, such as Baby Driver, I don't think is supporting Kevin Spacey mm. currently. Because in the current situation, he's not getting hired for anything. In fact, he's getting very much booted out of films and having all of his scenes reshot in two weeks. Mm. <laughs> kind of kind of level right now. So, um, So, I mean, like, taking a concrete example... Is watching House of Cards supporting Kevin Spacey because I think he produced that, didn't he? Or but executive produced he's very much been kicked out of it. Yeah, like they are finishing but, but, it without him. But watching it in retrospect, like no, it, that's it, not even watching him, watching the new series without him in. No, I don't, I don't think that's supporting him because he's not involved with it anymore, mm. and he's not receiving a paycheck from it anymore. Of course, he did, but you know. You, you you can't control what <laughs> you you can't take that away from him. Yeah, I, and and actually, you shouldn't take that away from him. Perhaps I don't think you know that was. I I think that although, it, I don't know that's a whole other thing. No, I I think that you have hit on something interesting, which is bad people can do good things. That mm. that is a very or bad people can do. Can bad people can make good art. Mm. Actually, bad people can do good things as well, in general. And I think that that is one thing that is very, very difficult to deal with. And yeah. it is the classic, the absolute classic, and I know that people talk about, is it Occam's Razor or something? The, the thing about, if you bring up Hitler, you've lost the argument. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Uh, but that thing about, Hitler was a vegetarian, so he must have been nice. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not how it works. That is not how it works. But that that is what I'm saying is like if you say take take the assumption that being vegetarian is nice and the information that Hitler was a vegetarian that does not equate Hitler being nice. It actually mm. means that horrible horrible evil people can still be vegetarian <laughs> can can still do things that are sort of morally okay if you think if you think that way yeah and so i think that quite often we can get confused with the idea of like this person has done a single nice act and this person is a nice person yeah no which idea. Which, which i think is just wrong um and, and that is that is true for a lot of people. A lot of celebrities in high-profile positions that have compromised themselves morally mm. in heinous, heinous ways have produced a lot of money for charity. Yeah. No, yeah, I get that. 
But I am very interested to hear on viewers' perspective of, you know, alright. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it out there. Do you think it's okay for Louis C.K. to still be my favorite comedian? And I don't I don't necessarily think he is now. I think actually, realistically, Dave Chappelle is probably my favorite comedian <laughs> right now. I do love Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is fucking fantastic and his new stand-up specials on netflix his, he's got four of them they were both like two part special well like two specials in one thing i don't know but they're, they're all on netflix and go and watch them because they're amazing um but <laughs> but my point being you if, know would if louis it, if louis say ck was your favorite comedian would that be okay yeah do you think that's still okay can you separate the art from the artist um, and I think, yeah, and I just, I'm very interested by what people's views on that, because it's all well and good us sitting here talking about it, but I'm very intrigued as to what other people would think. Yeah, me too, actually. Because that's the thing, the more I talk about this, the more I realise that my opinion is based on my gut reaction, and not based on facts or things like that. I don't think mine is necessarily based no, on my you've gut reaction. Thought a lot about this. I I think an awful and yeah, I have thought an awful lot about this specific thing, the art, mm. separating the art and the artist thing. I think about an awful lot actually, but as well, um, I think as I as we're discussing these things, I'm always constantly thinking and reevaluating how I'm feeling about them and trying to trying to consider the the, the best way to think about it. I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'd love to hear what people think. Um, get in touch with us on our social media pages. Yes. Alternative Twats with a four. <laughs> um, For the Twats part. Yeah, also I'm thinking of rebranding our social media pages. That might be a good idea. Just taking the four out and just alternative Twas. Like, just take just doing it without the at symbol, essentially. With, what, with like T-W-A? No, just T-W-S. Mm, so doing it just without the at symbol and I think maybe actually that might be probably the best fucking <laughs> thing to do because it's that, getting ridiculous yeah it, it is pretty fucking ridiculous <clears throat> and actually do you know what our listeners are the best people to tell us about that they are so tell us uh, um, let us know yeah. you know we might buy you a drink we probably won't Ben will Ben will I, will. I won't I won't um, it's not going to be on the Alternative Twats account. We don't have an account because <laughs> no one gives us money. If you want to give us money, please get in touch um, and give us money. <laughs> Especially if you're a corporate sponsor that we can, you know, sell your advertisement for yeah, and exactly. you give us free I things and money. I tell in you how much I love selling cigarettes to children. <laughs> not as much as I love Marlboro Light. <laughs> <laughs> it's all uh, golden leaf. I don't or know. Tobacco, tobacco in my tobacco lungs. I don't know tobaccos. Cancer um, in my in my inhalers. Mm-mm. Mm. Um, but beer companies get in touch. Exactly. Realistically. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't spend forty minutes shit talking you today. Yeah, we would. We uh, we had a we had a discussion. We, we had didn't a shit discussion. talk. But um, yeah, we should wrap this up because this is the longest. This is officially the longest podcast we've ever recorded. So well done for getting to the end of so it. So thank you for sticking with it. Um, we have had a lot of fun today yeah it's been a good it's been a good one um so thank you very so, much for yeah. listening and don't forget to get in touch with us on our social media just send us a message whatever any suggestions any songs i didn't talk about anything i've listened to you didn't didn't talk about anything i've watched listen to show right. me though i've been i've been watching everything sucks on netflix it's amazing especially if you like freaks and geeks because it's like a new freaks and geeks 
That's what I'm going to say. And also, been... watch, watch the end oh, of the fucking world, because that fucking affected me emotionally, Karen. I've only watched the two episodes of that, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's, it's very good, but it affects me. Um, also, uh, I went to see Pale Waves in concert, and I also saw the Front Bottoms in concert. And Shout out to Pale Waves. Both were incredible. Uh, and listen to both of those bands. They're just amazing. Do it. We need to go. Um, so... Thank you very much for listening, and if you're still listening right now at one minutes and fifty five, then um, thank you, thank you. Because and I, it's and I long, owe you a drink. It's a long one. Ben owes you a drink. <laughs> oh, we will see you in two weeks, if not before. Yeah, if before the a bonus, bonus episode. episode. We we don't know whether we're, we're going to be able no to promises. I mean, come on, we, you, it's an empty promise. You expect not to receive anything <laughs> from us, but if the, you do, it'll be a nice surprise. The bonus episode is coming, but whether it's in the next two weeks or not is completely a next whole, two weeks a whole or other next conversation. Two years, like, come on, it's coming. Be realistic. But not necessarily that soon. We love you. Ben loves you, but I beat him to it this week. Oh, uh, please marry me. <laughs> oh, he's taking it a step further. Um, yes, I, I will. I do. I do. I do. I, I, I think... You're asking the fucking audience again, aren't you? Yeah. Just, all right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. And goodbye. And we will see you in two weeks, probably, if not before. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Uh, bye. Thanks for listening. I love you. Oh, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>